Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. I'm so happy that you're here. If you're new to the show, welcome to our community. I'm Helen. I'm a mindset mentor for women and episodes drop every Wednesday morning. If you've been with me for a while, as always, I just love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. And it's been so exciting to see how we've all grown together and what amazing healers have come through this show to to talk with us and, and share their wisdom. So we've got another really exciting show ahead of us today. I'm so excited for you guys to, to hear this one. Miranda Alcott is with us and she is an animal medium. So I'll tell you a little bit about her before we dive in. So for nearly 40 years, Miranda Alcott has devoted her life to facilitating greater understanding and communication between animals and those who care to foster a deeper connection with them. As an animal medical intuitive, Miranda is a highly respected consultant and works with veterinarians and private clients nationally and around the world. Miranda's private practice integrates her natural intuitive abilities, crisis counseling experience, and coaching skills to support the needs of both the human and the animal clients. So I'll just leave it there and let you guys enjoy this very expansive conversation and really soak in Miranda's wisdom. She has so much to enlighten us on around consciousness, the nature of being human, and how much more connected we are to the other realms and to the natural world than we than we may think. So enjoy this one. If you feel called to share it with a buddy who you might think would benefit from this, please do so. And even leave a review if you feel called. That would be so helpful. Okay, guys, enjoy this one. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. And the first question I always love to ask people is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to to begin your day? I do. I do meditations and a little bit of chanting and My focus is one of making certain that I acknowledge it's a new day Hmm. so that I'm not carrying things forward. Uh, And then because I I have a service dog, a real service dog on by my side all the time, she hears from me, she's amazing. Um, Then I make sure that I address her needs next and that gets me outside right away. Uh, and And it's wonderful because I get up early enough that I'm able to experience my surroundings in a very calm time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What led you to having more of a spiritual and grounded practice in the morning? Have you always been into this? Did you grow up in a household that was nurturing this kind of curiosity and spiritual discipline or what drew you to, to your personal uh, development? Well, I came into this life remembering more than most folks did, and um, and I feel so blessed about that. Uh, I couldn't really understand why people didn't know where they just were. And so from my perspective, it was all about adaptation and figuring out how to deal with where I was and what was going on. So as far as being in a spiritual family when I was nine was when my parents started getting into metaphysics. I still went through the church till 
till I was about 13. And my parents then left the church at the same time I did because they were more interested in metaphysics for my, my whole life. Pretty much my mother was very much into it. And my father was into the um, science side of it. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's <laughs> beautiful. I mean, that's pretty progressive thinking to have grown up in a household like that. Did it, did it seem that way at the time? And, and what did you learn from them that you take well, today? Their focus, their focus was, I mean, at first they didn't really know what to do with me. Uh, but my, my mom said to me, and my dad did too, when I was three years old, honey, that's great. Just keep it in the house. And so I, and I had no idea that, 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 that I was learning protection from them at that time. But that is in fact, what I did, um, was that I, it was okay to say some things in the house. And I, I understood that they didn't get things. They didn't understand things I was saying all the time, but at least they didn't make me wrong. And they just kind of went with it for a while. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they, yeah, they so, so the folk, the focus of our household was um, challenging at times, but the bottom line was as I grew, um, then they, then my mom started looking to me, asking me questions about, you know, what do you see? I mean, I remember when I was 12 and, uh, and I came home from school and she was having a meeting with her metaphysical ladies. As a matter of fact, the name of the group of her metaphysical ladies was the metaphysical drinking ladies. And I would come home and they'd all have martinis. That's and so that, was, that was challenging for me, but because I couldn't understand the higher frequency that I was used to and then having that happen. But I came home one day when I was 12 um, and there are lots of stories before this, but she, my mom, after they left, handed me a book and said, you know, the girls think this is really something. What do you think? And so as best I could read it because I'm dyslexic and all that, um, I read it and I thought this guy is really something because he's the only other person I know that has said what I've seen. And it was Edgar Casey. And I didn't know that name. I, you know, it was just this guy who wrote a book and it's the only time I had seen someone actually put in print what I was seeing and experiencing. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of that. And then when I was nine years old, a lot, a lot started changing because when I was nine, that was when I was 13, but if we back up when I was nine, there were experiences that happened all the time for me. And I wasn't sure how to deal with it. Um, and in fact, one night when I was riding home with my parents in their car, because we had gone to their friend's house and, you know, I'd been put to sleep in the bed, you know, watching TV while they did parental things, while they visited. But on the way home, I was asleep in the back seat and my parents never argued in front of us. And I woke up because they were arguing. And so I sat up and looked over the back of the seat and said, what do you, what's, what's going on? And they said, um, well, Juanita just told us that she visited Venus. And I said, oh, that's no big deal. And my dad, off the side of the road. And they both turned around and looked at me like, whoa, you know? So many, and then they ended up joining ASPR, which is American Society for Psychical Research. 
and they were on that board for 17 years. So I was exposed to a lot and grew up with a lot and, and got to see how different people worked. And that was important for me. Yeah. And and what were you experiencing that Edgar Casey was also touching on? Like what what kind of sensations or visuals were coming through for you? Like what was going on? All kinds of volcanoes, all kinds of disruption on the planet, all kinds of um, a lot of natural disaster. I remember that was what struck me the most um, at that time because I was nine years old. I mean, 12 years old. And his his focus was describing what he could see, uh, especially the ring of fire and and, um, you know, on the Pacific side. And that was that was what stuck with me the most. And the rest of it was natural to me um, because my parents uh, were into Adele Davis, who was someone that talked about natural eating very carefully. And so we didn't have any sugar in the house. We didn't have pop. We didn't have white sugar. We didn't have any of that. So I was raised with a, a much more, which was good for me because I have a very sensitive body, which I'm glad about um, because it's part of my instrument. But um, but I have good boundaries. Um, but so that was the environment. Yeah. And when you're um, referring to like natural disasters or seeing like volcanic action, was it um, downloads and images coming in um, like predictions almost or just an awareness of like what was going on? Awareness. Awareness. Yeah, an awareness. Awareness. It, it was a relief for me because my focus was, oh, my God, this guy is seeing what I'm seeing. You know, so it was, it was, um, it, it, when we think of validation, I, I never, I mean, I, I knew my previous histories. So it wasn't that I needed validation to believe it was real. It's that I needed validation that someone else had this information, uh -huh. that I was not the only being holding this information. And what does that mean? Like, and then you ask, well, if I'm the only one, why? You know, why would, you know, what's the point, you know, if there isn't other people seeing it? Yeah. And what was the meaning that you were getting from it? Like, why do you think you were being exposed to this information and it was coming in? Well, I, I, the agreements that I made before I was born um, was that I would be teaching and I agreed to that. But my focus when I got here was different than I thought it would be. And so at three years old, I was trying to figure out how would I be useful here? How, how would I be useful? So I, I had to learn and it was humbling for sure. I had to learn where I was and what how could I teach in this environment when what I was used to was so very different. And so in this environment, I had to learn where we all were. And what was the point of what we needed to learn from each other? What was all of that about? What kind of memories were you coming in with from past lives or, or things that you were just, you just knew coming? Oh, you know, it's funny about the past life question. I just had a, I just had a cat say something about that this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> cats are so wonderful. <laughs> um, you know, the animals, all of them carry such wisdom if we listen. But uh, a client was asking me, can you ask my cat how many lives, you know, or have we been together before? And the cat said, yes. And then the human said, how many times have we been together? <laughs> and the cat said, why do humans do this? And <laughs> I said, do what? And he said, 
count the lives. You know, as cats, we've had thousands. So what what is with your race? You know, and not all your race counts lives, I'd like to point out, he said. So, um, yeah, um, what I came in with was the understanding that I had skill sets to be used, that I was given a mission, I accepted it, and it was to bring um, more awareness of communication. And I thought where I was coming had more awareness of communication so that when I showed up, I was floundering, trying to figure out where do we start with this? Because it seems so basic here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So take and, us. And, and the great thing is um, I learned and I love it. And I get excited about encouraging people to use what they already have. Mm. Because if we put it that I, I want that and I'm not like that, you just built a boundary for yourself that possibly wasn't ever there until you said that. Mm. Well, Such a good point. So one of the things I one of the things I teach in my classes, um, and I will say to the students, uh, so if you take class, you'll hear me say this. Um, you know, it's okay to doubt. But not in this classroom. Huh? Because, because truly, you can be right there. And then when you question it, it goes up. And now you just did this. So yeah. something to think about. Yeah. Oh, I'll just quickly share this. I just heard such a good metaphor yesterday. It's about this kid captures two grasshoppers in a jar. And these two grasshoppers start bouncing in the jar, trying to get out of the jar, jumping out. They can't get out. They finally realize they're not getting out of the jar. So they just calm down and they stop jumping. Then the two grasshoppers have a baby grasshopper and the grasshopper never even knows that it can jump or that there's a world outside of the jar. So the, the baby grasshopper only knows the jar. So it's really having me think about, you know, what jars are we currently in and what's outside of that jar? What's beyond the glass ceiling? What paradigms do we hold true because we've like learned it from our parents or ancestors from society? And I think that speaks to exactly what you were saying to some degree, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. You know, and, and so it's only we're only in a glass jar if we think we are, you know, um, yes. And there's a whole lot we could say about that Yeah. <laughs> in light of all the things that have recently been passed and, you know, all of that. So grateful I live where I live in California. Thank you. Same. Me too. Yeah. So yeah. take us through like the next phase of your journey. What, so you went to school to start to study. Um, tell us what you were studying in school and, and where your curiosities brought you next. Well, I, I mean, when I was very young, um, so much, so much happened. Um, I, at nine years old, when my parents got involved with ASPR, American Society for Psychical Research, um, my parents took me to Giant Rock, and there was a meeting about UFOs at Giant Rock. And Giant Rock is in California, Southern California desert. Uh, and it's an interesting area to visit. There's a lot there and a lot of sound baths now. But when I was there, um, it was literally people wanting to know more about what was going on there, how, how, the, how Giant Rock came to be, but also awareness that 
other people would talk about things that I had experienced or seen or was a part of. Um, and but they but half of the people there were excited, the other half were doubtful. And, and so I watched all of this dynamic go through, which set for the, for, for moving forward in my life that I needed to be careful and I needed to be respectful and I needed to be careful of what I said in front of whichever people. So I, I learned early on that there were things that you could hear about, things that I saw, things that I experienced. Um, There's a lot going into that. That's a huge question to ask. Uh, about what? Because as a child, you you have rules set up by your parents as far as this is what this word means. That's what that word means. And then you're surrounded by people that are using different technologies and different expressions. And it's very exciting. It's very exciting. So moving forward, I had visions growing up. Um, I had visions when I was uh, 12. Yeah. Um, uh, about uh, a horrific thing that I saw. And it involved a lot of violence and it scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and I was, it was real what I was being shown. And so it was a vision. And I, um, I couldn't sleep. And that went on for a number of days. And my parents tried to encourage me to talk about it. And I wouldn't tell them because I was afraid if I told them they would be involved. Hmm. And which is an, a whole nother uh, discussion there as well. But um, I wouldn't tell them, I wouldn't tell them, I wouldn't tell them. So finally, they decided to take me to this wonderful psychic medium uh, named Lotte von Straw, um, who is a woman who is Dutch. And she was actually at the time working on the side with the Beverly Hills detective, um, police detective agencies, agency. Um, and she was part of ASPR. So my parents took me to her. And when I walked in, she said, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what you experienced, but I will share with you that it is real and that at some point, you will know about it. And it took four years from then. And one morning I got up and I was 16 years old. I got up in the morning and I walked down the hallway in my parents' house. And on the dining room table was a newspaper. And it was as though it levitated right off the table. And I went, oh my God. I walked up to it and I said, Miranda, you have choices. You can turn left. You can turn right, you can go back. But what I'd learned by 16 is if you do that, the volume gets turned up. Mm, yeah. So it's like, okay. So I walked straight into it and sure enough, it was the Tate LaBianca murders, which was, yeah. And, and it was very serious, it was very serious. So there were things like that that happened all the way along, but that was the most poignant up until that time. And I, at that point, um, I really felt I needed to protection. I needed protection for myself so that I would not draw in different energies, you know. 
popping in for a moment to chat with you about my mentorship series. So this is a private one-on-one mentorship series with me that goes for seven weeks at a time. We are really looking at your most basic underlying framework as it relates to the subconscious. We take a look at your subconscious belief systems and we essentially work backward. We take a look at how you're thinking, how you're behaving, how you're showing up in the world. And we take a look at what belief systems cause you to behave in this way. And if it's for the better or if it's harming and we start to rewire that and we build you a new story and in doing so we build you a new paradigm we do this most importantly with compassion with curiosity with so much love and honoring of yourself and this is really powerful transformational work i'm really here to offer you a safe space a space and a portal to grow and to become the woman that you have dreamt of becoming i have seen absolutely astonishing results in the women that have come through this container i see it physically come through them i see it happen in career shifts that they you know have been experiencing in relationships that change and evolve it's just absolutely amazing what happens when we invest in ourselves and prioritize our well-being, our entire life will change for the better. So if this feels like something that is calling you forward and feeling really resonant with you, just go to helendenham.com mentorship. You can book a free half an hour power session with me and we'll get to know each other. I'm so excited to meet you. I'm honored that you're here and thank you for listening regardless. I love you and back to the episode. So did you That's feel important. like you had an open channel that was allowing these different energies to come in and, and kind of download these messages that you were like, what does it mean? See, I don't look at it as an open channel. Uh-huh. Um, it's part of my DNA. So I don't, you know, it's when people talk about the other side. Well, there is no other side. And in fact, one of the things I share with my students is we need to learn to stop drawing a line in the sand. And say, oh, yeah, that's the other side. No, no. We are multidimensional all the time, multi-universe, however we want to say it. And it happens all the time. Yes, we can choose. And I teach that as well. We, about what you want to tune into and what you're willing to receive is very important. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these are these are things we can do. But what I support people in doing is learning how to work with them, especially when you're new, especially when you think of it as having been outside of you and now happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be frightening. That can be scary. So it, it is with kindness that we need to educate ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say you were moving away or you felt like you needed protection from like getting these visions, yeah. um, what did yeah. you by that, like creating a safer environment in what way for yourself? It was more of adjusting my frequencies to what I was willing to be focusing on. Uh-huh. You know, they're all there. So what am I, what is it that I want to focus on? You know, what, what is it that ties into this realm? Um, because I'm having physical presence right now, very much so. Um, how can I support that? And um, also you know, work within the wonderful gifts I've been given, you know? Um, so I keep my agreements coming in, you know? What is your perception of earth right now and this planet that we have all incarnated on for this, you know, <laughs> moment in time? Like what, how do you place the earth in the grand scheme of things? And and what do you think the collective energy is and in, in our incarnation as 
a people, if that makes sense. You're asking like 20,000 questions. So we'll take them one at a time. Yeah. Or um, yeah. What is your perception of, you know, humanity on earth right now and what we're moving through collectively? So my perception of humanity on the planet is we are leaving and coming faster. We are learning faster. We are remembering faster. And um, there is a process going on that has been talked about and headed for for a very, very, very long time. Uh, it, it, this is a very exciting time to be alive. And, you know, I used to say um, uh, years ago, can you imagine if we weren't born now, if we just died, we would have missed all of this. <laughs> and there are people that say, yeah, well, I would like to miss all this. But truly, um, those of us who are working in the way that you're working, I'm working, and so many of us, um, all of us have the option. We can make that choice to participate. Uh, it, it's a time of choice. And it isn't that what someone says is right or wrong. I mean, can you think of a better time to actually turn the volume up and grow your intuition than now at a time when we don't even know which news source to listen to? Hmm. It all comes back to being inside. Mm -hmm. It comes back to being who you are when you came in. One of the things I love about the animals is they teach us integrity. And I say that because if you're upset and you say to your animal, oh, um, I'm fine, you just lied to your animal. And not only that, you just lost points in your credibility with your animal because they know better. It's better to say, I am upset. I am dealing with this. This is really challenging for me. Own it. And then you get to move through it. But we can't say I'm upset and point to our animal and say, you get over it. You know, uh, why is that animal acting the way it is? Maybe it's trying to get your attention. Maybe it's trying to teach you so much about your own life. And are you making space inside of yourself so that you can hear? You know, um, it's not about showing up and thinking it's a hobby and how fun. No, there's a whole lot of responsibility to, are you going to listen to possibly having a master teacher by your side in physical form that you haven't listened to? And so what an amazing resource. Hmm. What, how incredible is that? Yeah. Oh, I love why, why not listen? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I used to, um, you know, many years ago as a professional musician, and one of the things that I used to laugh about, and I think you might relate to this for sure, is that I would be standing on stage playing. And if I was working in a bar, for instance, um, there would be what I called blue arc dating. I mean, this is like one of my favorite jokes, is that I would see a woman across on this side and a guy on the other side, and there was like this arc going across, you know? And the next night I'd be on the same bandstand playing and the arc was not there. And I think we all know how arcs disappear late at night after the bar closes, those arcs disappear. <laughs> and I used to say to the guys in the band, 
we would talk about, did you see the ARC dating? Miranda, are they, are they ARC dating? I go, yeah, you look for yourself, guys. What do you think? Oh, my God. They probably won't make it till the end of the evening. So, I mean, we really we had a lot of fun things going on there. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if you went through this, Helen, but there are times when, depending on how large the gig is you're playing, whatever, could be a huge, you know, a concert. And for some reason, you look at someone in the audience and they're staring right at you. I mean, eye to eye contact. And that's that's what I'm saying. We have these skills inside of us. It's do we use them? Right. I always remember, you know, when I was doing Reiki training or just any of this energetic work, it's like, we all know when someone's looking at us from like way away, we can feel it. Even if your back is turned, you feel it. And it's so terrible. It's so real. So I love that example that you're sharing. You really can feel that. I guess the the first part of that jumbled question I was originally asking you was, I guess what I'm getting at is why do you think we forget who we are as we enter this planet? Do you feel like there's a kind of veil of forgetfulness that most of us have? And what's going on? I know there. there, Yeah, I know there is a big belief system in that. I know. uh, I know. And Carolyn Mace speaks about it readily um, or or did in her recordings. Um, You know, from my perspective, I, I'm probably going to say the same thing as that, but from my perspective, it helps us focus in on what we have to heal or learn. Um, and so um, I, I, have, I have a lot to learn, which is why I'm here. Uh, but forgetting these skills was not something that would have helped me learn what I came to learn. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I frame it in that way that as long as I'm doing my work and that I'm holding my agreements, I keep learning. So, but I know there are people that say, well, how come you grew up with that? And I didn't, well, because the people that my soul group brought me together with did know to respect that in some form. And then they were taken to people who would teach them why their daughter was the way she was, mm-hmm. you know, so the, which which helped me tremendously. I mean, my God, it exposed me to some of the best mediums on the planet. So how are we doing as far as a race? Um, we have a lot to learn. We're messed up big time, but we can't really mess up because we learn from it. I mean, that's the whole point. Mm. You know, you know, failure is not failure. Failure is growth. Absolutely. So there you have it. So we could do a reframe here, Helen, <laughs> and we could say, look at how healthy we're getting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. These conversations that we're having, I mean, are so new and evolutionary in so many ways. I mean, I think my parents are just like, what are you talking about? But they're getting more curious. Everybody's kind of blossoming together, which is really yes. beautiful. So even if it's it is. the world's on yeah, fire. And you, my dear, are lobbing wonderful seeds. That's what I call it. You're lobbing seeds. And because someone may not agree with you, but when they walk away, they're still working on it. Uh Perfect. Perfect. Uh Exactly. If we could just get them to think a little bit more analytically or just more deeply. My parents are actually on board. It's fantastic. But so let's shift into talking about your, your primary work, your focus, which is our connection with animals and, and communication there. So can you give us, can you enlighten us on exactly what you're doing and what you're teaching people to do? So animal communication is, is a form 
of allowing yourself to open to other species than ours, having ongoing conversations. Uh, and, and so uh, in my classes, we work from pictures, we work with um, live animals, we work in a way that ourselves have to open. Um, because as I expressed, we, we have to make room for this because we do have been raised with so much judgment. So uh, animal communication is learning how and recognizing that you know how, but how to turn up the volume and then how to refine what that animal is saying. Why is this important? Many of us have animals in our lives that we know are trying to communicate with us, but we don't know what they're saying. Sometimes our animals are not feeling as well as they have. How do we know this? Because we just know. Um, from my perspective, I do work with um, animals that and animal behavior issues. So I'm an animal and human counselor So as well. So where that intersection is, is where I work whether it's an animals that have transitioned, whether it's animals that are ill, whether it's a family bringing in a new animal, whether they're preparing their children for an animal that will be leaving its body. Um, I did crisis response to ground zero as well with one of my animals um, and was trained and experienced crisis um, intervention counselor as well. So my focus is also I work under the auspice of veterinarians, um, there's some wonderful veterinarians doing integrative work. For those of you who don't know what integrative veterinary medicine is, research it online, won't take much, and I think you'll be impressed. It has to do with Eastern philosophy and herbal alternative mixed in with Western chemical x-ray technical. So it's the best of both worlds. And I do get a lot of referrals from veterinarians when there are situations they've been working on and they're wondering how the animal is doing. Um, perhaps the animal is also ready to transition or they feel might be. And you know, um, I work a lot with animals that are ready to transition. Uh, and, and it's interesting, I mean, over the years I've been doing this, uh, I've had animals come into my practice that uh, you see them there on three legs and they can't really see and they have very little hearing and you think, Okay, obviously this animal's ready to leave. And the animal says, no, not ready. And then I've had animals come in, um, I don't wanna say skipping in, but come in uh, and they say, this cancer's eating me alive, get me out of here. And it is so important to ask. It's so important to ask. Now, really important statement about that. That is a very, difficult question and is not something that I would say just anyone can ask. We are not objective. When I look at my own animals uh, for the first 10 years in this lifetime when I was doing this work, um, people would say, do you communicate with your animals? Oh yeah, oh yeah, my ego was huge. Oh yeah, of course, of course, it's my animal, why not? <laughs> and then I discovered one day my animal was really sick mm. and I had totally missed it and humiliating and humbling. And, um, and that's why it is worth when you feel you're near that to have someone that you trust that can help you work on that. And that takes a lot of years experience. Yeah, a mm -hmm. lot of experience does. This is amazing. So um, do you 
have experience with understanding do animals incarnate only as animals or have they been humans have they been all different just like every soul kind of can go through many incarnations. yeah I, you know for a long time uh, i remember a wonderful um spiritual teacher of mine many years ago um you know uh asked me a question like that and uh i just said to him you know pat uh i've met I've met monks in dogs' bodies. And this person said to me, Miranda, I wouldn't tell very many people that. I, I would just kind of keep it to myself. Well, I saw him 20 years later and I said, so Pat, you know, I know this guy who said to me 20 years ago uh, that I should not say anything about that. And he looked at me with this huge grin <laughs> and he said, well, Miranda, you know, all of us can grow. All of us can grow. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, we, we put a lot of value in um, trying to layer things in a way. And I think it helps us understand. I do. I think it helps us learn. I think it helps us reach for things that we believe are out of our reach. And so, therefore, it encourages us to grow. But I also want to make sure that we understand we can learn a lot yeah. from more than one focus. You know, it's like learning one language and saying that you could live anywhere in the world. Um, we are fortunate we were raised with English as our first language, but that's changing. And, and, and so it is really important to use so much of what we have been given and come in with, which means people ask me about, you know, Miranda, how, do you, how can you listen to animals like this? And the story I tell, which gets the point across, I hope, is, have you ever bought a used car? Mm -hmm. Okay. The minute you walk in to that salesman, it doesn't matter what you're saying or what he's saying. He's scanning you to see what's going to get this deal done. That's nonverbal communication. Mm. That's about the communication. He wants the sale. He's scanning. So it's, it's that simple to understand. Developing it is really key because it's not just about, oh, I can do this and so I. It's the T word trust, the trust muscle, and it's practicing. You have to practice mm -hmm. um, because you will learn you're building your vocabulary. Acknowledging that you have this and can do this is the start. And that's really good. Yeah. What's the first step you would suggest for beginning? Like if I'm going to sit with my sweet kitty Lulu at the house today and just sit with her, um, where would you begin to have us learn how to communicate? One of the simplest exercises, I think, is right before we go to sleep. So whatever you do before you go to sleep to clear yourself, let any tension, any stress at all go down into Gaia, because the earth knows how to handle that. Just right out the bottoms of your feet, or if you're in bed, just right down, down through. And then once you feel that energetic change in your body, then on your mind screen, pull it up, make sure that your mind screen is clear. And then bring a picture of your cat onto your mind screen. And it may be as simple as a headshot, or it could be just seeing in your mind that animal moving. Now, a great way to test that if you want to is to do it when your cat's asleep in another room or in a different, a different part. 
and then close your eyes, clear yourself sitting on the couch, whatever, and silently call that animal to you. And then just relax with it. And then open your eyes. Now, it takes practice, but it's really, it's really fun. And it is a way to start. When you're in bed and you close your mind screen, if you meditate at all, which I hope everyone does to some form, um, and if not, you need to go to Helen and get her to help you <laughs> to exactly. learn how to meditate. How to meditate. Um, yeah. Um, then um, use that meditative space to then open up and say to your animal, for the next five minutes, I am open to what it is you need me to know, you want me to know. Now, I say five minutes because the information is not time bound. We are, it isn't. And we need our sleep. This needs to rest, it does. So five minutes, boom. And then just accept what it is and you can ask, and I'd like to remember it in the morning, or you can keep a pen by the bed and wake yourself up. It depends on how everybody feels. But starting that as a regular practice, you can say to your kitty, could you just express something to me that you feel I might not understand or I'd be missing right now? Gracefully. Mm. Don't forget to say gracefully. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> What, um, what's the flip side of gracefully? How does that manifest? Well, I, you know, it's interesting you ask that because I, I have a wonderful affirmation that I use, which is God, spirit, however we dress it, use me for a purpose greater than myself and make it obvious. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was how I learned that one. So um, so now I say, it's me for a purpose greater than myself. Make it obvious gracefully, please. <laughs> I love that. Totally. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you too about like herd mentality, flock mentality, species like birds, like ants that, um, you know, experience life more collectively, like bees, like getting away, moving away from hierarchies or consciousness levels. How do we understand that insects and birds and, and the human experience and dogs, like what's going on there between those energy types? You know, I think the short answer, which is a, which is a, an interesting one is acceptance. Hmm. Because if we try to say they're so different from me and they don't have a brain the size of mine, or they don't have, you can rationalize whatever you want to, but remember you're taking and putting it into a different body. And that, it doesn't may, even make sense um, because every species has something they do that we don't necessarily do or even aware of. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the most obvious one that's coming up right now, coming to mind, because most people have dogs, they understand dogs or cats, any of our domestic animals. Um, first of all, cats don't have the boundaries that we have. And in fact, many of them are coming in and cycling. Many of them are staying out of physical presence right now because they can help us more. Because in their words and their communication, the humans are lost. And we are, you know? So they can help us in many ways. 
um, by helping the cats we do have next to us and also working in different groupings. And, and that's a time for another discussion. But as far as what do cats do that we do, they are so sensitive to hearing what we are thinking, to seeing what we are thinking. Most animals do see what we're thinking because as a species, we think in pictures. We think that we're going to the park before we ever touch our keys and the dogs are at the door. Mm -hmm. So I think assuming that the intelligence or importance of another species is lower than us is a very, very big mistake. Mm -hmm. I, I remember someone saying um, on a, a chat group line or something in a neighborhood watch kind of uh, program, someone said online, there are no aliens in the universe and they were having discussions about it. And I watched this go on thinking, God, this has gone on for eons. And, and I couldn't, and, and the woman was getting just bombarded with rudeness. And I thought, you know what, I'm not, I, can't, I have to step in here. So all I typed in was, isn't it amazing that as the human species, our egos are so big that we actually think we're the only beings in the universe? Mm. I mean, I, it's just, come on, people. Yeah. Oh, let's grow up some here, you know. We're not the only game in town. And to think that we're the top of the food chain, excuse me, you haven't met a polar bear. <laughs> what do you not understand? You know, so I think it's really important that we think about context before we open our mouths and yeah. we think about how we can open to others. So yes, there are different energetics ways of communicating. I mean, one of the things that I think is so wonderful, you know, birds were like our first telegraph system. Mm. What do they do? They're all around. They're all around. Yeah. And we have challenges with their health right now. And I don't know how many people have noticed this, but do you know that our windshields don't get dirty from insects anymore? They don't. Okay. Guess what? That's part of the food chain. Gone. Mm. Too late. Gone. Mm. So I don't want to be negative about it i want to be positive and say please watch and let's act upon it mm -hmm. you know we when we went into covid i got so many calls from people wanting to know why is my dog barking he's never barked before or um you know uh cats you know my cat is now pulling away from me and we're home alone Cats are amazing beings. They're healers. They're some of the best, if not the best healers I've met on the planet. We have to give them space to adjust their frequencies, to allow them to regenerate, to allow them to do what they do, instead of thinking that it has to be all about us. We need to respect that they're very wise beings. You know, horses are phenomenal. The, the wisdom they carry and the fact that they help ground our planet we might want to think about that, people. I know we take them to shows and we train them to do things and sometimes not in the most positive way. We need to reevaluate all of that from a perspective of what can I learn that is exciting, that I've missed this whole time in my life? What can I learn from these huge, beautiful, giant beings? Mm -hmm. So there are differences in the way we perceive animals, but 
if you are interested in growing and learning, you can do that with a ladybug. Yeah. Just saying. My mom, I told her I was talking with you today. And she has this cute relationship with ants in her- With pool, ants. With ants. And she'll leave like a little bottle cap out with juice in the bottle cap so the ants have a trail to go to. And she said, I heard the ants in the shower screaming yesterday for me to get them out of the shower because they didn't like the water. And she said, I'm so curious to know about the consciousness of our insects and bees and everything. And she was also bringing up just pesticides and gardens and and missing the Mm -hmm. insect life and a big conversation. But I think what I wanted to shift into it is I, I think what I am growing and evolving into is recognizing the difference or maybe not difference of consciousness meeting intelligence or consciousness meeting logic, because I think that's where the hierarchy in our thinking human mind seems to come in like, you know, consciousness versus the thinking mind of an animal is different than a human or is it? Um I don't know. How do, how do animals? Well, here's where I, I mean, I can, you know, I know, um, you know, I, uh, the context is what is important because if we're expecting a snail to think like a human, it's not going to happen. But if we join that being in its, in its world, uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. I had a client um, the other day from Lebanon and uh, these two sisters, beautiful culture, um, you know, Middle East. Oh, my God. So warm, so loving. And they had a cat named Merlin, 15 months old. And they wanted to know um, about their cat. Well, the cat, upon my approach. Like, how are you here? Like, who are you? And I said, well, this is what I do. This is what, well, where are you? Well, this is kind of all there is, you know? So he was quiet. And I said, it's okay if you're not comfortable. I have broad shoulders. We're we're patient. We can do this. And and he said, "Uh, well, but if you can hear me talk. And I said, well, you're communicating in a way and I'm translating it for your humans in the vernacular of the way, what we do. And he said, okay, so I want you to bring a cat here for me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'm good at what I do. I'm not that good. I can't <laughs> physically you know, materialize a cat for you because he wanted company. He wanted a female cat. And he, throughout the entire appointment, he would every so often go, I, I think you should, I, I want, it's, you should be able to. It's like, I'm sorry, Merlin, you know, that's not my strong suit. Well, we went on, we worked with each family and the member, member of the family and how he felt about them, what he wanted to communicate. But at the end of the conversation, he showed me that one of the two women sitting in the room, her hormones were out of balance. And I don't edit. I don't, that's not my job. So I said, you know, to this one particular woman, um, this cat is telling me that your hormones are out of balance. And she said, she's very young. And she said, what? And I said, hold on. I'm not feeling that your hormones are out of balance, but he was very clear. So I checked in different parts of her body as far as was there something that I'm missing? I didn't get anything. So, um, 
I just said, um, well, wait a minute. Does this have to do with your menses, with your period? Because he's showing me a big swell. And she said, oh, my God, it's due tomorrow. Hmm. So, so and, and that explains also his I want a female. Uh. Because even though he's a different species, we're still talking about hormonal scent. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you ask me the question about the energetics, ants are fascinating. Ants are amazing. They have such a full body consciousness in moving in great numbers. They still have individual personalities from my perspective, and they still have their jobs as assignment, but they're very alert and alive and aware, and they are open to communicating with us. So do they have, I mean, I guess I guess my best way to answer it is developing a vocabulary for each species is what's required. Hmm. Because otherwise you're always putting a human definition on top of something else. I mean, I watched this cat. We were zooming, obviously, from Lebanon. I'm looking in the mirror behind the bed. It's a full ceiling to floor mirror. And the cat started by walking up to the mirror and trying to get the cat in the mirror to respond. <laughs> and I watched him and I got the humans not to turn around, not to move. And they could see him in their Zoom camera. And I said, he's really frustrated. And boy, his head came and looked back at me. <laughs> and he looked back at the mirror and then tried to put a paw up to the mirror. And I said, Merlin, that cat is not going to do what you want him to do. He's not going to play. And that was when he said, you should give me, you should bring a cat here for me. So I, I hope it answers your question. There are lots of fascinating stories, but when you talk about horses, because the communication is much larger in the embodiment of what they do, they literally ground off planetary magnetics in their hooves on our planet. So, so I, I caution people to say, well, you know, um, you know, all geldings are like this. All thoroughbreds are like that. No, they're not. And in fact, it's a start, but we have to be open to every individual. So that's why you hear me not saying, oh, birds think this way or bears think that way, because um, there are cultural things that go on within each culture, but within that culture, it's individuality. Mm, Yeah, I love that you bring that up. So it's not this like overarching assumption of a people, because as humans, we're all so incredibly different. So why would it be any different with our beautiful animal kingdom? And I love that you're talking about approaching them from their own language, from their own lens of being their own. We're all living in such different experiences on the same planet, but really in different worlds. So that, that really helps. This is a huge subject, which, which we can cover probably at another time. Sure. But um, yeah, we'll do that. I think but, that's sure. Well, let's close out. If people want to work with you and get to know you, where can we find you and learn more about your offerings? Uh, excellent. My website is MirandaAlcott.com. Uh, and then I have a page talking about the courses, which is MirandaAlcottCourses.com. I teach online courses. They're two hour. Each class is two hours and we have seven classes 
for each level of, of communication. So the courses are seven, uh, you know, seven classes long. And then I do one-on-one -on -one appointments as well. And I do small group mentoring as well. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is through the website, which is MirandaAlcott.com. And it's all there. And then as far as, and I should say this, when people have emergencies, um, I know that I'm very busy. And I know that people sometimes will schedule appointments that are emergency because they can't get in soon enough. I need to let everyone know that unless it's critical care, meaning that the animal's life is in, in jeopardy, unless the animal's in ICU or your veterinarian is calling me for a consult or the surgeon is standing by with an animal that is anesthesia, it is not life-threatening. So please know that you're welcome to make an appointment, but as soon as it shows up as emergency, my office calls you to find out what your emergency is because we have people that really do have emergencies. So please go ahead and just schedule on a regular appointment, either behavior or health or posthumous. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and for your time. And I think people are just going to love this. So thank you again for being here. Uh -huh. It's an honor to speak with thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me, Helen. I really appreciate it because I know there's so many people that feel their animals are trying to communicate with them. And so take a class. This is take a course. This is really important. But I also want to thank you for what you're doing in the world, Helen because your openness and your loving and your talking to people so openly, allowing them to see growing doesn't need to be scary. It doesn't, it's healthy. So thank you and tell your mom, thanks for feeding the ants <laughs> and she may wanna reconsider <laughs> how often she does it unless she's planning to never go on vacation. I'm just saying, totally. because while she's gone, they will take over the house. Oh so, yeah. My okay. sister and I are like, mom, you can't keep, you can't give them juice. <laughs> well, thank you. No. Thank you for those kind words too. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again someday soon. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And of course, everything we discussed is linked in the description below. So hit us up, let us know what your biggest takeaways were from today. Even send it along to a buddy if you feel like they might benefit from what you learned as well. Spread the love. And everything from my end is linked on my website, HelenDenham.com. You know, you can learn all about my mentorship program. I teach meditation a few times a week. I've got blog posts up there for you. You can subscribe to my newsletter, which goes out at least every Sunday. Sometimes I send out multiple a week with oracle cards and poetry and just little pick-me-ups throughout the week. So head over to HelenDenham.com for all of that. Sending you so much love as always. And thank you again for being here. I'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.